Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Are we live? Oh, (laughs) yeah, we're live. The mic is hot. Hey, 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 and we're back. Episode 12 of Brown Ambition. 12. We're like seniors. Yeah. Like senior oh, yeah, it right is. Now. That's how we open. <laughs> Did you even say hi to the people? Hi, people. Hi, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us. Yes. Every week. And your feedback's been amazing. Um, we just want to remind you to email us at the Brown Ambition, or sorry, Brown Ambition Podcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions or you want to share your brown break, mm-hmm. uh, we'd love to answer your questions on air, specifically having to do with money or career or anything really um brown ambition podcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. and please leave a review we're on we're at over 40 reviews on itunes which is amazing Ooh. i would love to get to 50 by the end of the week yes because uh, it just shows everyone that um you guys value the show and it helps us get found and and, and people will find us more so So let's get started. Some buzzwords. Let's do it. Let's do some fun, something fun at first. Uh, Starbucks. Yes. Let's talk about Starbucks. <laughs> so there's some nonsense happening every. So this happens every holiday season. Um, the Fox News of the world, like the Christian sort of like the right wing mm-hmm. conservatives, come out with something. They'll find anything to prove there's like a war, war on, on Christmas. Christmas. Mm-hmm. Christians and Christmas, like there's a war on the holidays. Usually it's when everyone says happy holidays. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just going to say Merry Christmas and screw you guys, you know. Um, And this year, they decided to go in on Starbucks. Yes. Starbucks has a new, every year they have a new cup, I guess. Yeah, like, it's usually, like, some some sort of holiday Christmas-themed cup. And, like, passing years, it's been, like, you know, I don't know, like, ice skates and Snowflakes. snowflakes. And, you know, it's really cute. You can Google it. And so this year the cup is red and green, and it's devoid of, like, snowflakes or There's anything. There's no patterns. It's like an ombre. Yes. And it's nice. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I, it's like whatever. It's a freaking cup. Yep. Like, who thinks about that? Exactly. But now people are saying that because there's no festive um, accoutrement yes. that they think it's Starbucks' way of ignoring Christmas. Oh and, of course, there's a war on Christmas now, which I think is such utter bullshit. I actually went to weather.com and looked up the weather in Bethlehem, mm-hmm. which is where a real Je- place. Where Jesus was born. Jesus for those was born there. Yes. Mm-hmm. They travel from uh, Nazareth to Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Um, let me tell you, in December, it is a smooth 60 degrees oh, in Bethlehem. Um, oh, you mean to tell me there's no snowflakes? There's no snowflakes in Bethlehem? No. So Jesus was not born on a wintry night. There was no <laughs> snowflakes. Um, nobody was ice skating in Bethlehem the night that Jesus was born. Like, it has nothing to do with snowflakes. You guys need to calm down. Yes, please do. And so I read that I read that um, there were six passengers on a Spirit Airlines. First of all, Spirit Airlines is like the toilet bowl of all airlines. Ooh. Like it is just the worst. It's so bad. I've had. A, I feel like everyone has a like a Spirit Airlines horror story if you travel because yeah. you get you get lured in by that like you know hundred dollar um, round trip ticket mm-hmm. and then you're like oh and it's thirty five dollars for a carry on. Mm-hmm. And oh, like ten dollars for booking online and not or bu- and not printing out your or if you don't print out your ticket ahead of time. It's like frontier. Mm-hmm. That's some bullshit. Yeah. Um. So they apparently like so they constantly overbook and they have so few flights that like if you get bumped from a flight, you have to basically stay over in that city because they have so few flights mm-hmm. for people. So they overbooked and they had these two this this African American couple. They wanted to change seats and so they asked them and the couple was like, No, we don't want to change seats. It's not fair. We paid money. Like, why do we have to change seats? And I guess things got a little 
little out of um, out of hand, and then other passengers kind of like piped in and stood up. I guess four other passengers who were African American, mm-hmm. like started arguing with Spirit with the flight attendant, and then they, she called the cops, and the cops came, and everybody like all these six people had to get off the flight, mm-hmm. and got kicked off, and so now Spirit's in a world of bad press yet again. Yes, um, and yeah, people, you know, and obviously like it's hard when you're not there to. To, to see like, what happened, yeah. To see what happened. But, you know, I there is that whole thing, like, would this have escalated so much if they weren't black, mm, you know? Like, yeah. do, are they going to be so quick to call the cops if it was, like, a little white lady or, you know, yeah. just anybody else besides that? I feel like people are, it's always, like, when you are when you are outspoken and black, what? the feedback is, like, why are you so angry? Yes. Calm down. Yeah, like, that, because the, th- the threat is always that violence is coming next. You know yeah. Like, someone's going to pull a knife. Yeah. Like, calm down. <laughs> Like we've if you all been through see, security, exactly. Nobody exactly. has sharp objects. Exactly. We're using our voices. Exactly. There's a um, a gentleman that told me that he always asked for a second employee. He said that yeah. before, if he feels like you know he started to get angry or starts to escalate, he said because we need to have more than just two stories here. Right. You know, if you want to, there's a really funny rant by this woman, young woman named C dot C C as in the letter C like cat E E dot C E E T V. So C dot C D um T V on YouTube. Or you can just Google uh Spirit Airlines rant. It is hilarious. I wanna play a little clip. She has this really hilarious yes. rant. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I'm online checking the bag and they're like forty dollars for a checked bag, forty five dollars for a carry on. What what? I didn't think I was reading it right, because normally carry on for free. I'm doing all the work myself. Why Why am I paying you to carry my own bag? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't... I was very turned off in the first five minutes of Spirit Airlines at that moment. So I paid $80 for them to check my bag going to and coming from. So the flight was $267. So then if you tackle on another 80 somebody do the math will kick in your head. It's somewhere around 356 now. Spirit, you need to stop bamboozling people. You need to stop it. So they got me there. They got me. Whatever. It's the day of the flight. That was hilarious. Yes. It's so true. Yes. God, just like you need to look out for those hidden fees. Yeah. They actually add on fees for the holidays, too, just for traveling during a high traffic season. Oh, spirit. You stole her spirit. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> Any other buzzworthy before oh, did we? You, yeah, a couple. Well, this could be a win. Okay, okay. I'll save this one, but I want to talk about um, Serena. Did you see the clip? Yes. Of, I didn't actually, see it, but I heard. That I, so Serena Williams, tennis star extraordinaire, was at, like, at dinner at a restaurant, and she posted this thing on Instagram um, about how she noticed some guy, like, creeping behind her, but she didn't want to, like, you know, assume the worst, mm-hmm. but she kept her eye on him, and then she, like, had her cell phone on the chair next to her, and he just, like, walks by, casually picks it up, and then walks out of the restaurant, mm. and then she chases him down. In her in her Instagram post, you know, of course, she's she says she chases him down, and she's like, he didn't realize I'd be so fast, you know, <laughs> and, like, she came back, and everyone cheered for her, and whatever. And, and like the picture on Instagram was of a superwoman, like her dressed like superwoman. Mm-hmm. I saw that picture. And then she's like, women, like, don't feel like just because you're a woman, you can't stand up for yourself. This is an example of, you know, just like girl power or whatever. And part of me is like, yay. Part of me is also like, don't chase down a crook. Yeah. Like maybe they have a gun. Yeah. Perhaps they have a knife. Like yes. that's not, you know, but um, good for her. And then they actually have security footage uh-huh. from the from the incident. So she's telling the truth. You see the guy behind her. He picks up the phone. But she doesn't chase him down the street. She's not running. Like he's really just strolling. And she just also strolls after him and stops. And it sounds like they have like a polite exchange. She's like, did you take my phone, sir? He's like, oh, yeah, here, here you go, and hands it to her. <laughs> so there's no, like, like crazy chase. She's doing the, um, the uh, you know how fishermen have, like, those fishermen stories, like, and then I pulled a big. Not yeah. just fishermen, like, uh, apparently presidential candidates uh, have been a little uh, 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 embellishing some of their stories. Do tell. So Ben Carson, who was going to be my brown break, actually, eventually, he probably will be, but I have something else today. But mm-hmm. Ben Carson, obviously, is gaining in the polls, and that's just put a huge bullseye on his back. Okay. And people are really digging into his past. Um, he's obviously a, a renowned uh, neurosurgeon. Mm-hmm. He have, he wrote a book in the early 90s called oh, Gifted, Gifted Hands. Gifted yes. Hands. His, like, was it an autobiography, kind of a memoir thing? Yeah. And he, and several news reports this week have come out saying for so one of like three different things he's sort of like fudged details about. So one that CNN did was all about how he claims to have had all these anger issues mm-hmm. and he claims to have pulled a knife on a friend one time and like beat up people and been really violent. And mm-hmm. apparently he had some come to Jesus moment where he was in the bathroom and he had just like almost killed or just wanted to kill one of his friends. Mm-hmm. And he was in the bathroom and he's like, and then I reached in the drawer and pulled out the Bible. 
and then I like I I, I realized my my second mm. coming or whatever like Jesus helped him and then mm-hmm. he became this new life of like you know uh, kindness and and Christianity or whatever. Okay. So CNN went back and talked to like a bunch of his classmates from this time in his life, mm-hmm. and none of them were like. They were like, Ben, like, violent? What? <laughs> he was kind of nerdy, but we don't remember him, like, pulling punches. Yeah, right? Like, oh, so he was talking that talk, like, yeah, you know, I used to be a thug out in these streets. That's so random. Like, why, in a, especially in a book that's supposed to be, like, you know, talking about yourself, why would you say something negative about it? I guess. I guess it's a, it's a, it's to build up to, like, and, you know, everyone has to have, like, the arc, you know, in their yeah. story. You're like, I was so terrible, and then Jesus saved me, and then I'm better. And I'm not saying Jesus can't save you, yeah, but let it be authentic. You don't need to give extra, you know, lies to, I don't know. That just seems really crazy. And not just that. So he also said that he was offered a scholarship to West Point, which is this, like, highly competitive um, military academy. And turns out there are no scholarships to West Point because people who go there don't pay. And the only way to get in is you have to be, um, you have to have a reference from like basically someone in Congress or someone in political power or from the military has to refer you. And nobody, like he, nobody referred him and he didn't actually get admitted at all. Um, Wow, that's a big one. Yeah. Uh, So the way he explains it is that he's like, oh, actually, I had a conversation with someone who said I should apply. Um, But he only had $10. And back then it cost $10 to apply to college. Mm. He's like, I only had $10. So the one place I applied to was was Yale. And he got into Yale and went on. Okay, And I'm just like... You have an amazing career. The story is amazing. Yeah. Why do you have to add in these lies? Yeah, because I mean, I got exactly. Like you went to Yale, dude. It's it's mm-hmm. cool, you know. Yeah, this happens. Like you always hear these stories about people. You know, like oh, like, like the um, people who lie on their resume and they become like executives at these major yeah, companies. And then you find out later, you're like, what? If, who was the the, um, the the news anchor guy? Brian Williams. <laughs> well, that wasn't a resume fail. That was like an embellished story. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I always see like the memes on him. Like, oh, like the time I was hanging out with Beyonce and Jay-Z. You're like, really? <laughs> it's sad because, you know, I think we've all done. I'm guilty of it, too. Mm-hmm. Like you retell a story and it just gets a little bit more dramatic. Mm-hmm. But when you are on that, when yeah. you get to this public stage and you, you are in careful. front of a camera and you're talking to people like you cannot be lying, mm-hmm. especially in the day and age of Google. Yeah. That everyone can find out. I can imagine Ben Carson in the 90s being like, how are they going to know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like. Houseway. There's not even computers yet. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's just, and you, it's a cautionary tale. Like, do not, do not lie. Your story is enough. Yes. You know? You are enough, Ben. You're enough. Whatever. whatever. Oh, I mean, I don't know about Ben, but I mean, yes. You so. said you had something funny about Donald Trump. You said he bought Oh, Trump. Yeah. So real quick. Um, today is Sunday. Last night, Donald Trump was on SNL, uh-huh. and I obviously did not watch because I had better things to do with my life, and it's a hot mess. He was even on there in the first place. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, I was really worried that because of his, um, because of his like his media savvy or like just people being really fascinated by him and love watching him for entertainment purposes, mm-hmm. I was worried they were going to get high ratings. And the ratings haven't come out yet, but all the reviews of the show say he was terrible. Good. That he just like totally bombed. He wasn't funny. Um, um, and he watered down, like he he said no to several sketches because he was worried about how they'd play in the polls. And so he ended up just doing like a really weak cameo and a couple of skits. Mm. And the whole show was kind of awkward. Um, so yay. That'll learn you, SNL. That'll learn NBC. Mm. Um, and there was all those protests. Uh, you know that famous uh, Latino actor, John Lugazamo? Yes. He was actually interviewed on Yahoo. Um, I got to see the back of his head. Yay. Ah. Um, he's like an, he's an amazing actor. He's yeah. not really vocal politically. Yeah, he's not. But he came out on Yahoo and said that he was boycotting. He was like, I'm never going to watch SNL again because they had this joker on yeah. there. And I mean, you know, I, I hope it was worth it, NBC. Yeah. I hope it was worth whatever ratings you may or may not have gotten. Exactly. Exactly. To alienate such a huge base. They also got called out because one of the sketches, apparently, they had another. And this is, this is not, like SNL is notorious for having white actors play Latinos. Yeah. And they had yet again, I think, a white, one of the white show pe- people on the show played a, uh, a Latino uh-huh. personality, polit- politician or something like that. So they, they need to diversify their cast. Yeah. And they need to stop having these racist xenophobes exactly. as hosts. You see, it didn't work out for you. I mean, you know, but we all have to learn. Karma's a bitch. Mm-hmm. And she bites. And that's it for Buzzworthy. <laughs> Buzz. <laughs> oh, that was nice. <laughs> Brown break, brown break. What, what you gonna, gonna do? do? What, what you gonna, gonna do when we break, break on you? <laughs> <laughs>
That was the break. <laughs> you didn't get it. We're doing a lot of like um, voiceovers and like, you know. We're going to get like sued for copyright infringement, I feel like. if we. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, because it's our own voices and clearly we're off tune. It was a remix. Yes, so. Cops. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, brown break this week. Yes. Jeff, you want to go first? So mine's a little bit embarrassing. But I don't care. So I'm taking a brown break from waist trainers. Yes, I said it. Some of y'all are wearing it right now. I can't it's believe. okay. God, so, I can hardly wear tights without feeling like I'm gonna die. And I don't so know I'm how not, you do this. And honestly, I'm not judging because I totally bought two different waist trainers. First of all, like, what are they supposed to do? Like, how do you train your waist? Because if you wear them long, you're supposed to wear them for a number of hours a day, and it's supposed to like basically like remold your body. But these are what the Kardashians wear. Yeah, but I that's not what I was using it for. I was using my waist trainer because I was like, ooh, when I had a dress on that was like slim fitted, and now that I'm 36, I had a little pudge in my belly. I wanted something like the next level up from Spanx, right? So I wanted something that was gonna kind of like hold me in, and I could just eat all night. Is it like metal? Yeah, so sometimes they have like a little bit of metal boning, oh but like so like it really because Spanx kind of like it Spanx smooths where you already are. That's mm-hmm. what I felt. It pulls you in, of course, some, but the waist trainer actually like shapes your waist. But I found that first of all, it was like I don't know, it didn't do anything. But I felt like it made me look like I had a bigger belly in clothes. Really? Yeah, I had like pictures. I'm like, what is this stomach? Did you get a refund? No, because I spent like 20 bucks on it. Maybe that's why. People are like, well, (laughs) there you go, Tim. And then, too, I was just like, you know what? How about I just get a personal trainer? And I did. Yeah. And um, in the last week, I lost two pounds. So, whoop, whoop. I know. And honestly, it's come from my belly. And so, like, I was wearing a dress that I would normally. You can't always choose where it comes from. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. But you know what? She really, I, I told her one of my areas I really wanted to work on. And so, I'm on a meal plan. And the meal plan's not anything crazy. It's just, like, literally just just better eating, you know? Like, she's like, hey, instead of chicken thighs, have chicken breast. Salad, more greens, more, you know? So it's nothing, like, crazy. She's just giving it to me. And honestly, I know how to cook fairly well, so just using these ingredients in better ways, you know? So that's been great. Even Superman, he was like, so I'm not on a diet. I was like, hush, eat this food. He's like, I, I made salmon, baked salmon the other day, and I, mm. I found this recipe on YouTube of with, like, basil and this and that and lemon, and it was so good. And he was like, are we eating healthy again? But I made it. He was like, babe, this is so good. I was Salmon's like, delicious. Yeah. Salmon just needs some lemon juice and some olive oil and just pop that in the yeah, oven. It was mm. just so good. And so that's why I'm like, it's really a lifestyle shift, and I've been going to the gym, and I feel great. I can already tell the difference. Like, I wore a dress the other day that I would normally whip out my my waist trainer for, and I didn't, and I was like, I looked like, you know, almost back to my normal self. So where's your brown break? My brown break this week. So being in like, I mean, I read a lot of um, financial bloggers. Obviously I read, well, you don't really blog that much, but I read a lot of, I read your stuff. I read everyone's sort of like little blog posts and stuff. But one of the most popular types of financial blogging these days is these travel hackers. Mm -hmm. And I need a brown break from these travel hackers because they get under my skin for a specific reason. Um, They call themselves mile runners, um, card churning, card churners, travel hacking. Basically what it is is they, um, they say they're getting free travel. Like, oh, I got my flight to Hawaii paid for. I, you know, didn't pay for my hotel. And how they do it is they take out a bunch of rewards credit cards. Mm -hmm. And these credit cards, you know, where you spend $3,000 in the first two months and they'll give you Mm 50,000 miles, which is like $600, which you can put toward airfare. Um, Or you can, you know, trade those miles for like a hotel stay. Or if you have like a, oh, we're getting a call again. Yeah. Oh, caller. Caller, are you there? No, why are they always calling? <laughs> That's funny. Let's keep that in. It's like the points guy calling me. He's like, I heard you were distant. Travel hackers. Um, and you know, I'm not calling out anyone specifically on this, but my problem, and it's not just travel hackers, but it's with the entire like rewards card yep. frenzy. Um, they're amazing. Like, I love my Amex Blue Cash card. It gives mm-hmm. me six percent back on groceries. But uh, the reason you should get like you should never open a credit card just to get the, bonuses. Exactly. Because, first of all, it's a, it's a hard inquiry on your credit report. Mm-hmm. It'll ding your credit score. Exactly. Um, second of all, you have to spend money to get money. Exactly. Um, and I don't like how they make it seem like, oh, it's a free trip, but you spent $3,000 exactly. to get to there. Um, and it's one thing if you spend $3,000 
and anyway. t- within two months mm-hmm. on a normal basis, if that's normal for you. Exactly. I don't think that's normal for a for lot most, of people. Yeah, for most people it's not. You'd be like spending, I mean, I feel like it would just encourage you to whip out that card and spend more. And that's a lot of money to spend in a two-month period. Do you have $3,000 to pay it off immediately? Exactly. Because some of these cards don't all have 0% interest, um, interest rates. And or, if they do, honestly, I always suggest, you know, because, you know, I'm the budgetista full-time. And so when people ask me, like, you know, I want to get a card because I want to, you know, save on this flight or whatever. I'm like, well, to me, first and foremost, the purpose of getting your credit card should not be, like you said, for the bonuses. It should be for the specific thing you might say. Because I suggest that people have at least one card. Especially if you're an adult, you're going to have to rent a car at some time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great way to build your credit if you use it responsibly, you know. and It's so, safer. Than you, you have more protections from fraud mm-hmm. and things like that. So yeah. when I buy certain things, I definitely will use my card because I know, like, okay, if this doesn't work out, I know I can call the credit card company and they will reverse the charges. And and then after I decide that I need a card for a specific financial purpose, then I look for a card that matches the kind of rewards that I want. Mm-hmm. So that's secondary. It's like, oh, do I use gas a lot? I look for a gas card. If do I use, you know, if I tra- I travel a lot, so I have a travel card, you know. Um, but that wasn't the intention of me getting it. I got my card because. I wanted a credit card, you know, but yeah. And then if it's working, I mean, I definitely feel like if you're going to get a credit card, um, it should be a rewards card because yep. there's just so many out there. There are. But these, what these guys don't always say, um, too, is that there's a lot of fees. Like some of these cards have $95 and up yep, annual monthly, fees. Yep, annual fee, yep. Um, you know, I actually have a, I have a rewards card with the airline that I travel with the most. Like I said, my parents live in two different states, so I'm always, you know, flying to see them. And this card gives me a free checked bag. Which I feel like if I take four flights, which is easy, that's like Christmas travel yeah. for me. I, you know, it's a ninety-five dollar annual fee. But if I fly four times, then there you go. It pays it off, and um, and I, you know, I do get a big bonus if I spend a certain amount of money in the first two months. But I made sure it wasn't too much. Um, and I, just, I would just say be weary and shop around mm-hmm. and be careful with these travel hacker blogs too, because a lot of them are recommending cards and they're getting paid. kickbacks. Yep. They're getting paid yep. money from you clicking on affiliate it's links. Sometimes as much as one hundred fifty to two hundred dollars if you sign up. You're kidding. So they're yeah. like laying into you, like it's so amazing because they see you as a payday. Mm-hmm. You know, which like I said, if you are already in the hunt for a card, that's what I love about that um, Nick's website, Magnify Money. Oh yeah, MagnifyMoney.com. Mm-hmm. It's a personal finance kind of like education site. Yes. And they do a lot of card. Do they do travel reward card comparisons? They, they do everything. What I love is that you can just go in and be like, hey, I'm looking for this. And he will compare and he makes it easy. He'll say, this card has an A, here's why. This card has a C, here's why. And in clear, okay. plainly spoken language. So when you're look, when I'm looking for a financial product or service, I usually go there first. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say like, you know, let me see why, you know. Well, like if I'm looking for a secured card or whatever it is. But, yeah, so that's a great place to start if you're already looking for a credit card, not for a credit card so you can get travel points, but just a credit card in general. Yeah, definitely. And what's so Magnify Money is a good site. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, a lot of these sites do good affiliates. It's the reason they don't charge you. Like, for example, Mm -hmm. Credit Karma, which I like because it gives Credit Karma is one of those sites where you can get an estimate of your credit score, which Mm -hmm. is nice. Keep track and you can get an estimate, right? It's not your FICO score. It's actually um, based on just one of your credit reports, but it gives you a a good benchmark to Mm -hmm. tell you where you are. Um, it won't be exactly like your FICO score. And it's, an, it's a nice way, too, to monitor your credit on your own because mm-hmm. they do have all your – you can see, like, if someone takes out a credit card mm-hmm. that's not that you didn't take out, you can go on Credit Karma and it will show up there and you can go dispute it and whatnot. They're actually launching pretty soon – this actually might be under embargo. I don't know if I should. Whatever. Who cares? It's Credit Karma. They'll love it. Um, they're starting a new um, thing where you can dispute errors on your credit report from Credit really? Karma. Yeah. Before, you, Credit Karma was nice because you could see your credit report, but you couldn't actually do anything about okay. it. You had to go to annualcreditreport.com and okay. dispute stuff through the different channels. Um, but, yeah, they're adding on that feature. But um, so they obviously, when whenever I log on to Credit Karma, I'd see my score, I see my stuff, I'm like, great. And then it has a million. Oh, like while you're here, here are some recommendations yeah. for credit cards mm-hmm. you should. And I could, honestly, that's that's where I got my Amex from through them. And I, cha-ching, I, cha-ching. cha-ching. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you have to keep that in mind too. Are they showing you all the best options for you? Like, so don't just go to one site. I would say Magnify Money is a good site. Yep. Um, credit Karma. Well, maybe not Credit Karma for credit cards, but Nerd Wallet I like a lot. Okay. Although I'm pretty sure they get kickbacks too. Um, Nerd Wallet. As long as they're honest, what I like about Magnify Money is that like uh, they if, well they weren't getting paid before, but now for those credit cards that are kind of up there, it clearly says on top sponsored. Okay. So you yeah. can kind of like choose, you know, so it's not, but their A's are not for free. So if you like Nick has told me that people have said it, well, how much for an A? 
those are not oh so, the credit card companies yes. ask because they they can pay mm-hmm. to be listed on top other of the, sites yep. yeah and I, I know i'm not going to mention some of the sites i used to actually recommend the one site in particular that i loved br but I found out that people could like pay. Do you mean bank rate? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Just a guess. <laughs> and so I was like, "What? You could pay? No, because how do I know it's real? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it's just like shopping around different sites and just being aware that maybe they're showing you what they want to show you mm-hmm. because they get kickbacks. Exactly. And just because it works for one guy to turn and get a bunch of open up a ton of credit cards in one year just to get a free trip, is it worth the amount of debt you will put yourself in? Exactly. To get that free trip. Just uh so yeah, that's my brown break. Brown break, brown break. What you gonna do? We done broke on you. You know, let's do it. Let's, we always forget, if you're going to tweet us, oh, yeah. please do. We'd love to hear from you. I love when people tweet us. So What's our Twitter handle? Our Twitter handle is the BA podcast, at the BA podcast. Good. And so, but also, I love when people tweet us at the BA podcast, and they also hit you up, Mandry, Mandy, with an I, Woodruff, that's what you are on Twitter, right? At Mandy Woodruff, yep. yeah, with and an then, I. And I'm at the budget Nista, like fashionista, but the budget Nista. So if you tweet us, we'd love to hear from you. I love those tweets when they're like, I listen to you guys, or you guys say something that we said back, or you tell us, like, this is your brown break. We love those. <laughs> I know. Somebody said they had a brown break against whiny millennials. Oh, I know. And that, I was like, mm, you sound like my dad. <laughs> I like that one. See, you're a millennial. I'm like one year past millennial age. Yeah, different gen, gen X. Yeah. So anyway... I wanted to take so this week I wanted to do something special. We have we don't always have guests on. Yeah. But I had a really great conversation with someone I admire a lot. She's a writer. Her name is Mira Jacob. Mm-hmm. And the way I f- I came on to her work is she writes sometimes for BuzzFeed. Okay. She's Indian American mm-hmm. and her husband's Jewish. And they have a six-year-old son. He might be a little bit older now, um, but he's around six years old. And he's obviously biracial, multicultural, and not just that, but interfaith. I don't think she was raised. Obviously, Mira wasn't Jewish growing up. Um, And she did this, like, amazing BuzzFeed article. It was like a graphic novel almost of taking the questions her son asks her about race through the – so stay with me. He's asking her about race, but with Michael Jackson as the theme. Okay. So he's apparently a big Michael Jackson fan. Okay. And his parents have like all Michael's like albums. I don't know if they have like forty fives or vinyls or whatnot. But he, anyway, he he can see the progression of Michael from like Black oh, Michael to like so. different shades of Michael okay. throughout the years. And that's sort of like how he started looking at race. And she, on top of that, has written about what it's like to be an Indian American writer in the publishing world. Um, so I had a really Great conversation with Mira about raising a biracial, multicultural child. And then? And then also what it's like to be um, an Indian American in the publishing world. And I just wanted to share that with you guys. Yes, let's roll tape. Mira Jacob, thank you so much for being on Brown Ambition. Thanks for having me. So I know you're a very successful fiction writer, obviously, that goes without saying, but I got to say that I found your work through your nonfiction writing. One of the first pieces I read by you, and probably a lot of people out there have read, um, was on BuzzFeed, and it was about, it was actually a cartoon essay, which was excellent, by the way, on, (laughs) on how you handle your son's awkward questions about race. And I could really identify this identify with this because like your son, I grew up and I'm biracial and I have a younger brother who used to ask me a lot of awkward questions about our race as kids. Like, why is my hair curly and why is it not flat like, you know, the Backstreet Boys? Yeah. And right. And I just love to talk to you about, you know, where this, how this story came about and and what inspired you to, to write it in this way. Yeah, sure. Well, so, um, the story, you know, it really, it, it came about pretty um, naturally and intensely because my son is, um, he's six now, he's about to be seven, and he is really obsessed with Michael Jackson. Um, he watches Michael Jackson videos all the time, and he tries to emulate Michael Jackson, and he knows a bunch of different ways to dance like Michael Jackson. He's pretty good, actually. Um, And all of this is, you know, he sort of had this burgeoning obsession, and one of the things that I did um, so he wouldn't become part of the generation that just keeps skipping between songs the way you do when you have an 
an iPod or something else is I got him a um, record player with albums. So that came with, I, I got him these very big Michael Jackson albums and he has been studying those for a long time and looking at them. And what happens when you look at Michael Jackson albums at that scale is that you realize pretty quickly that early Michael Jackson looks nothing like later Michael Jackson. That's right? actually, I'd like to do that myself. Let's just get all of them together and look at the color palette changing. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's really, it's it's pretty shocking um, when you see it. And when you're a little kid and you see it, you have a lot of questions. So obviously one of his first questions for me, <laughs> which I didn't realize was going to open this whole can of worms, is um, what color is Michael Jackson? And so I said, well, you know, he's a great question. Um, he sort of started brown and he turned white. He goes, he turned white? And I said, yeah. And then he just looked at me and he goes, are you going to turn white? And I was like, no, no, <laughs> turn white. And he goes, am I? And I said, no, you're not going to turn white. And he said, is daddy? And I said, well, daddy's already white. And he goes, but was he always? <laughs> just like, he was so, I was thought, oh God, what have I done? Um, and then, but what was interesting about that is, so I messed my kid up for life pretty instantly right then. And it was, um, it was both funny and weird. And I realized I'd kind of blown it um, and that I had been taken off guard by this really simple question. Um, so I, I, I thought to myself, the next time he asks a question about race, I'm really going to be on it. I'm really going to have some better answers for him. And as you can see in um, that segment, I never have better answers for him. I'm continually baffled. And my main goal in trying to talk to him was just to try to be truthful without being scary, which is really hard in a world where, you know, that was last year and um, most of the stuff at Ferguson was breaking. And when he's asking questions about who is Michael Brown, you know, when he's asking these kinds of questions and he keeps seeing things on, on the television that tell him that, um, that brown kids and black kids are, you know, are targeted by white police. And he has a lot of questions about that and he's six. And it's, you know, it's really hard to to kind of thread that properly and say, this is the real, yes, this is a real problem. This is something that we are all working to change. And that's why we go to those protests. And that's why we go to those marches and, but also, um, keep his world somewhat safe for him. And frankly, it's easier to do for him. I'm well aware of that. It's easier for to do for him because I'm East Indian and my husband is Jewish and um, he's facing a different set of circumstances than a lot of kids, but he's aware also that his skin um, comes with a story behind it, and he's unsure of what that story is. It was interesting to me that you said, um, you know, you knew you, you knew you didn't do the greatest job explaining, but you wanted to wait until he came to you again. Um, that's that. I feel like that'd be hard to do. From uh, you know, I'm kind of a I'm a, a nerdy finance nerd, and I tend to be like, wait, you don't understand this. Let me explain it to you right now. I have all my powerpoints ready. I'm gonna like drill this into you. Um, and what do you think is important about waiting for your son to come to you for that for those questions before you you know kind of laid on them all at once? It's a great question, you know, and I'll be I'll be honest with you. It's not that I'm always so good at that. There are times when I've definitely over-explained things. Um, but the other thing is, is that when I when I find when I do when I do wait, um, usually the questions he asks me are quite different than the ones that I want to give him answers to. Um, so I will want to tell him, you know you're great, you're fine being brown, and you're going to be okay. And those aren't even the questions he has. That's, that's not what he's asking me. And he's asking me other questions, which are, which are harder to answer sometimes. I mean, there was a section in that um, when he asked me if white people were afraid of brown people. And um, I was so devastated after he asked me that. I mean, at the time, I sort of answered it very as straightforwardly as I could. But that night, and part of the reason I started drawing this whole um, piece is because I just the idea that he was asking me these questions and that the answers were so complicated and occasionally unforgiving was, it was really hard to kind of live with all of that at once. And I'm sure your husband's, I mean, I know he wasn't included in the cartoon, but I'm your, he can't be off the hook altogether. I'm sure your son is also sort of asking him and how do you guys sort of approach those questions together? Do you talk about it, you know, on the side, how are we going to, you know, address race and, and kind of come to an agreement? Yeah. You know, um, there's a there was a part of that strip that I didn't um, include, 
um, which is um, when my son asked me, because he asked me if white people are afraid of brown people, and then shortly after that he said, is daddy afraid of us? And I said, no. And he was just quiet, and he was doing that thing that kids do when they're just thinking, thinking, thinking. And I said, again, emphatically, no. No, he's not. And then, and then what I said to him um, was I said, you know, you can ask daddy that. And um, you, Daddy would love it if you if you did ask you, him that because he would be happy to answer that for you. You can always ask Daddy these same questions you ask me because I know on some level that he comes to me with this stuff because I look like him and I'm brown and so I'm in I'm dealing with some of the same things that he sort of feels. Um, but also he is half his father and his father certainly thinks about all of this plenty. So I said that to him and um, and he said, Oh, I don't I don't want to do that. And I said you know, sweetie, you know, don't be afraid. Daddy's not going to get angry with you. You know, this is a totally worthwhile question. He said, no, it's not that. I just, what if we hurt his feelings? Mm -hmm. And I just felt so wrecked when he said that. I mean, at the time I said, yeah, okay. Yep. I understand. I said, you know, I don't think we're going to, I don't think you saying that to him would hurt his feelings at all, but I understand that. And it also, but it hit that part of my heart that, you know, that you have growing up as a, just a person of color in the States where you know so often that the kind of, the worry you feel about how people are going to react to you and um, is so often subsumed by your need to want them to be okay with you. And it was really heartbreaking for me that he would feel that with his dad. You know, like, I want him to be okay. He was sort of saying that, like, I want him to be okay more than I want to answer this question for myself. And um, and it was really hard. You know, that was really hard. And, and it, you also can't push someone to say something. And I did go and talk to my husband about it. Because I said, and, you know, because Karen and I, my son and I have so many talks about race. And I said, by the way, he's probably going to ask you, um, he's probably going to ask you if you're afraid of him. Just get ready. And my husband said, What? <laughs> And I said, yeah. And it was, you know, it was so funny because I had been so deep in this conversation with Zakir about race. And um, and I'd been so kind of bogged down with it in a way. We'd been di- like in the deep water for, you know, weeks at this point. And I, I hadn't realized that he'd just bring in, bringing all the race stuff only to me. And then when I saw my husband's face, I realized like, oh, yeah, no, it's all it's all coming to me because he looked so brokenhearted by it. Um, and I... And I, you know, I said, oh, we need to just have a moment to be upset about this. Like, we need to just have a moment where you're allowed to be just upset that we're in a world where your son has to worry about whether or not you're afraid of him because of everything he's seeing on TV. And we can do that. I wanted to bring up the recent, the most recent story I've read of yours on BuzzFeed, which detailed something right on this topic, like you uh, were just mentioning, how you were invited to speak at an event hosted by Publishers Weekly, and the talk was supposed to be about your successful year getting published, your book, all the great reviews, but things didn't go exactly as planned, and you wanted an opportunity to sort of talk about your experience and some of the microaggressions that you'd gone through in the publishing industry, um, and, and again, things didn't quite go as you expected. Can you talk about that and, and what you what message you were trying to get out that night? Sure. So um, Publishers Weekly, actually, they um, were lovely, and they asked me to give this keynote speech for them at a Young Publishing Stars event. And in the course of, um, of kind of coming up with what I would speak about, they said, oh, just talk about your last year. And I thought, oh, this is the perfect time to talk about what that, what my last year was, because I think, um, there is, you know, far and wide, I've had a very nice year, um, very nice reviews and, and, um, generally a, a kind of lovely moment of coming out with a debut novel. But what was happening behind the scenes was often very different from what was, what I was kind of presenting. And, um, and so I wanted to talk about that and it, and what I started with, um, in the speech, was a Boston radio producer who asked me to um, to read a portion of my book on air. And he said he'd need to edit it. And I said, oh, sure, of course, you need to edit it. And so he sent the edits back, and um, part of them were what you'd expect. It was like, here are 300 words, and I've now cut them to 25. And I thought, yeah, sure. But then I looked further in his notes, and he had circled the names of my characters and said, if you're going to stick with the unusual names, 
maybe cut down these three characters to two because you're going to confuse our audience. Which I just thought mm, they couldn't possibly understand these weird names. I know. And it was really funny, by the way, because these were all two syllable Indian names. I wasn't even going with like Ramakrishna. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like Akil. You know, I don't, I don't know that that's that confusing. I hate uh, how he was underestimating his listeners intelligence at oh, the same time. You know, it was crazy. So he said this. He said, you know, cut out one of the characters. And I thought this is or this book has been published crazy person. I can't just change a scene um, and cut out an entire character. But anyway, I didn't say that. Um, I, I just said, I said, you know, I, I, we can't cut a character. Um, but then further down, because he had asked me to write a quick one sentence intro. And I had said, these are three East Indian teenagers, children of immigrants are sitting on a roof talking. And he had crossed out East Indian and written Asian Indian. And I just, I remember, I know, I read that and I thought, what? (laughs) Because I have, because I I literally have never heard anyone say Asian Indian unless they were saying, no, not like American Indian, like Asian Indian. Right. And, um, and so, and I wrote back, um, and I said, yeah, I just, you know, first I just crossed that back out and wrote East Indian and just gave it back to him. And then he crossed it out and, and again, and he wrote, um, he wrote this note to me on the bottom and he said, you know, alas, here in this country, East Indian is just not a term that we use. So I want to be sure that, you know, our listeners are going to understand what you're talking about. And I just, I mean, I read that and I, I just kind of had this moment where I felt like my brain was going to fall apart because I just thought, are you kidding? Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, it's not even, I mean, it's a direction and there's a country and it points to a region. I don't understand what's so difficult about that. The whole thing was baffling. But the part that was most baffling to me was his assumption that I was not every bit as American as he is. Just an assumption. And, um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 42. I have been born and raised in this country. I have been waiting for it to catch up with me for a long time. And, this is just to say that when this happened, I wanted to talk about that um, in the speech. I wanted to say because I think that there, I think sometimes when I'm in the book world, I feel like they are catering to that guy, that guy who is so sheltered and so not a part of the conversation that the rest of us are having. And they're saying, well, let's make sure everything is understandable for that guy. And I feel like, what about the rest of us? There are so many of us. We can go so far beyond this conversation. East Indian is not confusing. Three kids without names that are, you know, with names that don't happen to be Mary, Dick, and Tom, that is not confusing. People can handle this. We are these people. You know, I think one of the things that I have a problem with with that, with that narrative is that it assumes that nobody like me exists or buys things or is out in the world. And meanwhile, there are so many of me, and I don't mean... East Indian women raised in New Mexico. I mean, people that come from a broad range of cultural experience who expect to go into the world and not have every question answered immediately about somebody, but are curious enough to push through that and to find out who someone is and where they come from. Because we're a huge audience and you haven't found us because you keep trying to make books for only white audiences because you're relying on your own experience and you don't need to. There's so much more here. And frankly, frankly, I think in New York, especially there are plenty of people that have a lot of experience outside of that. So part of it was also just to like, trust your gut here, go with this, go with what you know in the world, like get rid of those voices. Oh, let's override these voices that tell us that it's all too big to take on. It is not too big to take on. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. So first I want to say thank you to Mira for being awesome. Yes. Thanks, Mira. And again, you can check her out at mirajacob.com. Her new book is Sleepwalker's Guide to Dancing. So now it's time for wins. Wins. Ending on a high note. Win wet. wet not, I love wet. Like my new my new favorite like phrase is like wet, W-E-T. What? What? Is that a question? Yeah, like, so it's like... Or a state of being. Of, yeah, no, just like a question, just a sassy, like, what were you saying? What? <laughs> okay. So sometimes, like, I'll, I'll send it to, like, my best friend, Drina or Linda, like, something will happen. I'm like, wait, what did she say? What? 
<laughs> anyway, win. Nice segue. <laughs> <laughs> and something else I really wanted to talk about for a win is so the very first person, a Chicago woman, became the first patient to be cured of sickle cell. Yay, science. I know, which is huge because... Why is McDonald's on? I don't know. Oh, they just... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at my computer, man. It's looking on. Um, Because um, sickle cell affects one in 500 African-Americans. It's If you are African-American, you probably know someone who's suffering from sickle cell. Um, unfortunately, it's like, um, is it Tay-Sachs? Is that with the Jewish population? Like, usually there's like every race kind of has like some sort of like illness that like, hmm. you know, it's like really specific to that race. Anyway, so for us, for African-Americans, it's um, sickle cell. And so um, Lesha. How did they cure her? So Lesha Thomas, 33, they cured her through stem a stem cell transplant. And this is right here in, well, we're not in Chicago, but right in Chicago, the physicians of the University of Illinois Hospital and Health Science System performed a procedure using medication to suppress her immune system and a small dose of body radiation before doing a stem cell transplant. And so that was just really dope. But I'm just like, wow, if they can find a cure for sickle cells, so many, like a great friend of mine, um, uh, let me a great friend, I can't remember her name, Eddie <laughs> She has sickle cell. Um, her sister has sickle cell and has had so many scares with death. Um, and she started this great organization called, uh, well, she can't call it that anymore because Susan G. Komen sold them. Um, oh. Yeah, I know. I don't know what her organization is called now. But um, but just I remember that was like kind of like my first kind of like just like knowledge about sickle cell from somebody in person and then knowing that you kind of go through these bouts where you really can't get up, where mm-hmm. you're so sick. She said she spent so much of her 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 childhood in the hospital. Right. And I'm just like, wow. So if they can find a cure and do this again. Stem cell. You know what? Stem cell research. This is just one example of how powerful it can mm-hmm. be. And there's a lot of controversy because um, embryonic stem cells are used widely and they're the most powerful mm-hmm. tools in stem cell research. They're much better than adult stem cells. So they get them from fetal tissue, yeah. you know, which can be, you know, donated from women who have abortions yeah. and other ways too. But this just goes into like the other side of the debate about yeah. stem, um, cell research. stem cell research and just look how powerful it can be. So mm-hmm. if you, you know, feel like you're anti-stem cells then just look at this example, a woman's yeah. life was saved. And exactly. So those are my many two winners. Those were some good wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I came ready because, you know, Mandy was beating me up last week. You were prepared. <laughs> I know. Let's keep this going. You get A+. Plus. <laughs> This is a good one. Um, so I, I used to be a big fan of Project Runway. Uh, this was like the antidote for me to like America's Next Top Model, mm-hmm. Rest in Peace, which is ending after like 75 oh, cycles. Yes. I, I was done with, like I needed a brown break from ANTM like years ago. Yeah. Um, so I love Project Runway and I love Tim Gunn. Mm-hmm. And they just had the very first plus size designer win the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. Yes. Her name is Ashley. What's her last name? What her last name is? Oh my God, I lost it. <laughs> Ashley, she's so cute. She's too. so cute. Ashley Tipton. Yep. Um, I didn't watch this season, but I feel like I'm gonna binge watch it now because she's so cute. She has like this um, this cute little watermelon skirt. Yeah, I love me some watermelon clothes and her little lavender hair, and she just looks so so cute. And she looks so like everyone else in America. And you know, I wanna um, I wanna see like her her clothing. You know, usually like American, they'll have like I mean, um, Project Runway will show you like all of her looks. Oh, the looks. Yeah, yeah. I gotta look. I gotta Google her. I gotta watch her the season finale. And speaking of Project Runway, they had this big win, plus size designer winning. But then Mr. Tim Gunn, who's like, I love him. He just actually, if you want some, if you want a Tim Gunn fix, he's he's doing the rounds right now. I think he has a book coming out or something or other. He was just on uh, Farnoosh Tarabi's podcast, So okay. Money. Oh. Yeah, it was a pretty good interview. So he was on Huffington Post Live, and they asked him about his feelings about the Kardashians. I forget how they came up. Okay. Tim Gunn does not strike me as the kind of person who just brings up Kardashians mm-hmm. in his everyday conversation Agreed. because. He hates them. Like his his feelings toward them were so visceral in this interview. And he says that he basically says he hates he he thinks it's disgusting and and tasteless. Like how they have used their platform to influence fashion. And he's like, if you want to know what not to wear, just look at whatever the Kardashians are wearing. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't like that the fashion. He it seems like he's a bit bitter about how the fashion industry has, has you know so supposedly embraced them. Yeah, they're like at all the shows now. Balmain is like mm-hmm. their official Kardashian fashion house. Yeah. Um, and he even, like, calls out Kendall Jenner. And I feel like if you're a model today and you work – like, modeling isn't easy and it takes a lot of hustle. And I feel like if you look at a person – if you're modeling, you're trying to get your, you know, your career off the ground, you look at someone like Kendall Jenner, 
like I'd feel like you can easily feel a little bitter about how quickly her star rose mm-hmm. and question whether or not that would have happened if she didn't have the Kardashian PR machine behind her. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, Kendall obviously has the build, and she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't. I think that she would still be a model. I don't know if she'd be a top model, but I mean, yeah, I don't like, know. She certainly wouldn't have been, like, hanging out at Carl Lager- Lagerfeld's house. Oh, yeah, yeah, those things. Know? Yeah, but definitely I think that she's got the build and the look to be a model. Well, I just loved him that he kept it so real. Keep I feel real. like people, for some reason, have become afraid of the Kardashians. Yeah. Like, they're so powerful now that people are afraid to come out and talk against them. Yeah. That one time, Katie, Katie Couric, <laughs> who works at Yahoo, but apparently Katie Couric, when, like, Katie Couric said something about them that wasn't so nice about Kim or something like that, right before Northwest was born. Mm-hmm. And then um, when Northwest was born, she sent her, like, a little baby gift or a card or something congratulating her. And she sent it back. And Kim sent it back. Yeah. And, like, and, like posted on it. Instagram about it, so I remember that. people are afraid to talk about them. But I don't know. I just love Tim Gunn for for calling them out for the crazy, insane machine that they are and calculating. On they call them entrepreneurs now. They're just like just. Ugh. <laughs> Any other wins? I think those were my two wins. And with that, we say adieu. Another episode of Brown Break in the can. No Brown Break. Another brown episode of Brown Ambition. <laughs> If you have a brown break you want to share, if you have a win, we'd love to get some more wins that you want to share. Or questions. You know, November is not just Thanksgiving and Black Friday season, which we'll probably talk about in future episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also the time when everyone who graduated from college in May, it's when your student loans come Mm -hmm. due. Six-month grace period's over. My little brother included. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. It is. They're coming for you. Please do not forget. I made the mistake of forgetting about the grace period ending, and I was like two months behind Mm. right out the gate. Yeah, that was awesome for my credit score. (laughs) Um, So anyway, just a a public service announcement about that. Mm -hmm. And if you have any questions about student debt, salary negotiations, something happened at work, story to share, email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us at the BA podcast. Facebook us, Brown Ambition. Um, I love our Facebook group. Everyone's really like um, involved and Mm -hmm. like really supportive on there. So it's a fun place. And then just everything all in general can be found. If you're like, that's a lot, just go to brownambition.com. Everything is literally there. Brownambitionpodcast.com. Brownambitionpodcast.com. <laughs> Someone said brownambition.com years ago, apparently. Yeah. Brownambitionpodcast.com. We have all of our information there, all the social, all the different places you can find us on iTunes, Google, um, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all that good Just stuff. Just everything. That's where you can find us. So. All right. And we're out. Bye. Bye. See you next time. <laughs>